0: Please be seated. For our scripture reading, I invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 26. I'll be reading verse 1 to verse 12. If you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 547. We will be hearing a sermon on verse 11 that will constitute the sermon text for this evening. I'd like to read verses 1 through 12 for some context. Let us now hear God's word. Like snow in summer or rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying... A curse that is causeless does not alight. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like a man, like a lame man's legs, which hang useless, is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds the stone in the sling is one who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes up into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or drunkard. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. As far the reading of God's holy word made his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it, congregation of Christ, like a dog that returns or turns back to his vomit is a fool who repeats, or does again, his folly. Who is the fool? Am I the fool? Am I a fool? God, in no uncertain terms, describes the fool in ways that make our stomachs turn. Did he grab your attention when God's word says... Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. If you didn't eat dinner yet, maybe you're going to lose your appetite by the end of this sermon. God likes to use evocative language to get our attention. And that's what he does here. In this passage, in this particular verse, we have a description of of the fool that is very intense, evocative, grabs your attention. We're going to look at the description of the fool. We're going to look at the nature of the fool. And we're going to look at the only hope for the fool. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, even as Christians, aren't we fools sometimes? Do we not live like the world at times? Who is the fool? Let's look first at the description of the fool. The book of Proverbs is a good place to start if we want a description of the wise person and the foolish person. I've divided the description of the fool into two categories. And the two categories are this, the fool's heart, or we can say the fool's mind, and then secondly, the fool's behavior. Heart, behavior, head, hands. They manifest, foolish things manifest themselves in our head and with our hands, The fool's heart or mind does not fear God. That is, the fool does not trust God. He doesn't reverence God or honor God. He doesn't believe God and seek God's wisdom and instruction. We know that the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. For the fool, he is wise in his own eyes. He delights in himself and in his own knowledge. He despises wisdom and instruction. He doesn't want to be corrected. His way is the highway. At two places in the Psalms we read, the fool says in his heart there is no God The fool does not fear God, nor does the fool like the knowledge of God. He hates the knowledge of God. We see this clearly in Romans, where Paul makes the argument that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He makes the argument that men suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They exchange the truth about God for a lie, Because by nature, and we'll get to this in a moment, we hate truth. The fool hates the knowledge of God and exchanges the truth about God for a lie. So then, one of the descriptions of the fool is the corruption of heart and mind. I'm using them synonymously. Despising wisdom, despising knowledge, despising understanding I'm my own man. I do what I want. I play by my rules. Now, even in Christ, through faith in his holy name, don't we have that problem? Don't we need to repent? I dare to say that we do. That's what goes on in the head and the heart. Someone once said, we sin probably 99.9% in our head. You ever get it where you're, you're maybe driving to work or you're, you're doing something and all of a sudden a thought, a recurring thought or sin keeps popping up. And you're like, where in the world did this come from? The fool's mind and heart corrupt by nature. The fool's behavior. Here's another description of the fool that we find in the Proverbs. Now, this gets interesting now because of the language that the Bible uses for the fool's behavior. The fool feeds on folly. And the word there is pasture. He grazes on folly. Because he loves it so much, it sustains him so he thinks. Proverbs 15, verse 14. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths mouths of fools feed on folly. They feed on it. To use the comparison provided by our sermon text, the fool feeds on his own vomit. We'll get to that simile, that figure of speech in just a moment. But we need to understand how the Bible describes the fool. In other words, he loves his sin. To this person, it tastes good, feels good, and he feeds on it. The fool's behavior is further noted in the Bible where he delights. He delights in mischief. He delights in wrong. Can't get enough of it. Actually, if you were to literally translate this particular verse in Proverbs 13, verse 16, and Proverbs 10, verse 23, it literally means he makes sport of it. To behave in a foolish way, to delight in folly is to make sport of it. It's a game to him. Didn't Jesus teach a parable to a rich young fool? This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself, is not rich toward God. The fool feeds and delights on folly. Not only that, but he speaks folly. That's another part of a fool's behavior. The heart of fools, the Proverbs say, proclaims folly. His mouth pours out Folly, you want a good indicator where your heart is at? What's coming out of your mouth? Oh, Christian, congregation, what about gossip? What about slander? What about angry outbursts in the home, men? I preach to myself. What about lying? I don't know about you, but I praise God for the blood of Jesus. I praise God for the blood of Jesus that cleanses me of all my sin. The fool repeats his folly. He runs to his folly again and again. Essentially, this is idolatry. The misplaced. Of worship. There's a reason why God says first. You shall have no other gods before me. Because we have a worship problem. An idolatry problem. The worship of materialism. Rationalism. Drug addiction. Alcoholism. Put those isms. Isms. Fill in the blank for your life. What is the ism for you? Perhaps it's the computer screen. If I can just stop one more time from looking at that site anger, malice, bitterness. Over and over again because his mind hasn't been trained by God's wisdom and knowledge. Can this be the Christian? You better believe it. Because I dare to say that each one of us struggles with something that we keep going back to. Which one is you? The fool doesn't have his mind or her mind trained by the word and wisdom of God that is in Jesus Christ. Their hearts are not disciplined and discerning by the word and will of God. That, friends, is the description of the fool. The fool's mind or heart, and the fool's behavior. You've probably heard of the saying, I'm sure you have, one time or another when John Calvin says, our minds are a factory of idols. With our minds, what do we do? We conjure them up and with our hands we manufacture them. We think about, in our hearts, about our idols and we bring them to fruition. We manufacture them with our hands. That's the description of the fool. Now let's get to the simile. Like a dog that returns or turns back to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Here we have the nature of the fool. By nature, I'm referring to the fool's natural inclination to foolishness. Your natural inclination and my natural inclination to foolishness, to run after it. It's the natural inclination of the fool to run after sin over and over and over and over again. Why do I keep doing that? Have mercy upon me, Lord. So in other words, it's the natural inclination of a person to be repeat offenders. Offenders. It becomes second nature, deeply ingrained in someone. And such a person persists in his folly no matter how many times he is warned or no matter how many times he experienced the consequences of the folly. Think about that. The proverb likens a fool to a dog who returns or turns back to eat his own vomit. You ever see that? You ever see a dog do that? disgusting. You can laugh. It's funny. It is disgusting, though. And he's actually using two figures of speech here. He likens a fool to a dog who returns to his vomit, but he's also using a euphemism, which is a nicer way of talking about something naughty or bad. Your sin, your repeat offense, It's like a dog who returns to his vomit. He wants you to see how grotesque it is to me, to you. A euphemism is a figure of speech that substitutes something unpleasant or seemingly offensive with something least offensive. You've heard, for example, maybe the phrase, He spins the truth. What is he saying? He's a liar. In Scripture, a dog is used as a euphemism referring to wicked people, enemies of God, unfaithful prophets. In our text, it's a euphemism referring to a dog returning to his vomit that is disgusting and gross. How much more disgusting and vile is one who returns to his own sin? Why is it second nature to us? No matter how grotesque or vile the sin is, why do we feel inclined to keep repeating it? Why? Why does one person suffer and repeat certain sins more than another person? Why does a person indulge in sinful behavior and follow after the lust of the flesh when in fact they have experienced the perilous consequences of it? The natural inclination. Because of the fall and the sinful nature, human beings are attracted to folly. It appeals to our nature. It is said that after a dog. In just food, it expels the food because there's something that didn't agree with it, okay? Didn't agree with its stomach. But dogs, when they eat something, I'm not a veterinarian, never studied veterinarian science, but I heard that they eat based on smell, not so much sight, Think about that. It's within their nature to eat what smells good to them, even if it appears disgusting to us. After knowing the way of wisdom, Christian, the fool returns to the idolatry of his, of his heart. Why does the act of any kind repeat his or her sin? Why does he go back to the sin that has left him desperate and without hope? Why? Why? Why does he think, why do I think, here's a question, why do I think that the folly will satisfy my senses and bring peace to my heart? After I know the repercussions of it. In the New Testament, the Apostle Peter references this proverb. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, if you're taking notes. He describes false prophets and teachers. He speaks of destructive heresies. He speaks of men and women engaging in immorality of all sorts. He talks about how the Lord will save the, the righteous from the unrighteous. And he gives this warning, For it would have been better for them, that is, those who do wickedness, who live like fools, it would, be, it would have become better for them never to have known the way of righteousness, than after knowing it, to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. So they heard the gospel, they knew the gospel, but they have turned from it. And then he goes on to say, what the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit. Does God have your attention? What is it, Christian? I'm speaking to you individually and speaking to myself. Is there something that you have been repeating over and over and over again? Something destructive. And you don't have peace. Did God pointedly, by way of a rather gross simile, show you how foolish the fool really is and how grotesque and destructive folly really is? wow, you're really hitting us with sin tonight, aren't you? You know, I don't know what it is, but I mean, I've heard this said before, but the older you get in the Christian faith, the more of a sinner you feel, and the more Christ is precious to you. The folly of sin. Come on, let's get serious. You mean to tell me we all have our act together? I'm speaking to your hearts. I'm not asking you to raise your hand or anything. Have you done a spiritual inventory of your heart? What repeat offense keeps coming up? What are you doing in the closet, so to speak? What are you manufacturing with your hands? Are you getting uncomfortable yet? I need to hear this. We all need to hear this. Because we have the final point, the only hope for the fool. If I were to stop right here, man, we have a funeral on our hands. Depressing. The only hope for the fool. I've been talking a lot about fools and their folly, and I'll talk about myself on that matter. But I wanted to hit close to home because if we're not truly honest with ourselves, we don't get it. We don't get it if we don't really understand that we're all born fools. The Proverbs say that. Foolishness is bound up in a child. It's bound up in you and me. When we were children, we were like dogs who returned to his vomit, and our mother said to us, How many times do I have to tell you to stop doing that? (laughs) How many times do I have to tell you to stop doing that? Like a dog that returns to his vomit. And when you get older, you're asking yourself the same question, or somebody's asking it for you. We're all born in sin, and therefore born fools with a natural desire to repeat our folly. And that's why the Bible calls us sheep. What a perfect metaphor for the Christian sheep. Recently, I received a a Pinterest video from a member of the congregation, and it was absolutely hysterical. The video was a man who was chasing one of his sheep. You may have seen this. And the sheep was running, and it jumped in the air and landed in a ditch with its hind legs flapping in the air, stuck, couldn't move. So the shepherd goes up to the sheep, grabs it by the hind legs, pulls it up, struggling to pull it up, finally gets the sheep out, and what does the sheep do? He runs along, bumps, and lands back in the ditch, hind legs up. And the shepherd's like, seriously? Seriously? Isn't that our good shepherd? He doesn't say seriously. But isn't it like our good shepherd to not only forgive us of our foolishness, our sin and rebellion, lay down his life and shed his blood for our folly, that when he was crucified, our sins and folly were crucified with him, that when he was buried, our sins were buried with him. And that when he was raised from the dead, we were raised to new life with him. And then when he ascended to the right hand of the Father, the scriptures say that we have ascended with him in the heavenly places. That's our status now. The only hope for the full is Jesus. The only hope for your sin, your folly, is Christ. Young people, He is your only comfort. He is your only help. I know, young people, that you have your certain struggles. You live in a very interesting day and age. A day and age which your, with your grandparents probably never thought you would live in, but you do. And the temptation is great. It is a hard road. The Christian life is a hard road marked with suffering. But Jesus, the good and great shepherd, our only hope, leads us and guides us. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. You plead nothing but the blood of Jesus. And you pray fervently, Lord, remove this folly. Pluck this from my life. Help me to put it to death. I love the old word, mortify it. Mortify it. Look it up in the dictionary. The mortification of the flesh. Paul says, based on who you are in Jesus, put off the old man, put on Christ. Like you take off clothes and put on new clothes, put on Christ. We need the light of Christ to shine in our dark hearts and to reveal the folly of our sin and foolishness. And because of Christ and his perfect sacrifice for sin, because of his atoning work, because of his righteousness, the Father does not count our folly, our sin against us because Jesus paid it all. Jesus bore in his body the curse of God, the curse that belonged to us, the curse that belonged to the fool. You and me was placed upon the Son That is the very grounds by which we seek to live lives pleasing to him, lives of gratitude. Oh, how great our follies, but how great is our Savior. My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin, I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Young people, that was written by a 17-year-old boy. 17 years old. A young man gripped by Jesus. That said, our Lord sanctifies us. He's transforming us to the image of Christ. Putting to death our sins and follies daily. Because he who began a good work in it in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. It begins with our minds and hearts. And we go back to that. God not only saves us through his son and faith in his son, but he saves us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, to walk in love and obedience to Christ. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the renewal of the mind, the heart. That's where it begins. This is the way of the wise person in Christ. Christians have been freed by the power of sin through the cross. And we have been empowered by the grace of God and the power of the Spirit to say no to sin. To stop the pattern of repeat folly. Where we're not like the dog that returns to his vomit. This takes prayer, this takes supplication, this takes a holy sweat, a holy work. And we can learn from other Christian traditions, especially the discipline of accountability. Men, is there someone in your life that can be a close confidant to you? Because I dare to say that many of us live within ourselves. And to show any sign of folly is to show weakness. As they say, meekness is not weakness. Because if we're to be the body of Christ, a Christian community who loves one another, that means getting into the pit with one another. And praying for one another and opening up to one another. I'm not saying throw all your baggage out there for the world to hear. But do you have a close confidant? One of the most remarkable things that I find in ministry is that people live the Christian life alone, though they are in a community like this. And when you think you know somebody, you really don't. And there are people hurting, hurting perhaps of a consequence of repeat folly. How intentional is your Christian faith? How intentional is it? Our only hope to put an end to the repeat offenses and running after idols is the transformative power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not gimmicks. Love God and love neighbor and do it together as a community, looking to Christ, our righteousness, and our sanctification. He is our only hope. When I was at the Moody Bible Institute, there was a course on teaching the Bible. I'll close with this. A student gave a lesson on Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11. And my wife was in that class. I wasn't in it. But she was telling me about his Bible study lesson. It was a class on how to develop a theme, how to prepare a Bible study for a class, how to execute the Bible study, how to engage your audience, all of those things. And by way of object lesson, he brought with him a bag of some unknown liquidy substance that literally wanted to make you vomit. And after giving his teaching, he pulled this bag of yuck out from behind the lectern and he showed it to them. I won't do that to you because I know your janitor and your elders would not be happy. Your deacons probably wouldn't be happy either. But he showed it to them. Is this what you want to go back to? What was he doing? He was concretizing. That is, he was making something that was seemingly abstract. And he was bringing it down to the level of the audience saying, this is how grotesque our folly is. Look at it. You see it? Do you want to drink this or eat this? He wanted to penetrate the heart with an object lesson. So though I don't have it here, maybe picture it. Picture me having this clear bag with liquidy, nasty, yucky substance. Do you really want to run back to that? Or are you going to run to Jesus? Are you going to run to Jesus? Turn to Christ and be made wise for he is the true wisdom of God to whom we must repeatedly turn to for forgiveness of sins holiness of life and eternal life you see there instead of repeating your folly or turning back to your folly repeatedly turn back to Christ confess your sin he is faithful to forgive, be cleansed by his blood. Pray that God would help you to walk in newness of life, trusting in him for all things. Build your house, the house of your heart, the house of your life, upon Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of your faith, and who for the joy set before him endured the cross and its shame and suffering, so that you would not suffer that shame and suffer the penalty of sin, death, and hell. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, our only comfort in life and in death, our only Savior, the true wisdom of God. And we thank you that in Jesus, we have the wisdom of God incarnate. We have love incarnate. We have mercy incarnate. In Jesus, we have everything we need for life and godliness, for He is our only hope, our only hope for the forgiveness of sins and the life to come. And so I pray, Lord, we pray that You would bestow Your blessing upon us as a community of faith, that You would help us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. For we have been delivered from the domain of darkness and have been, have been transferred into the kingdom of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so help us, O oh Lord, to live our lives as citizens of your kingdom. Help us to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Help us to spur one another on to Jesus, looking to him. Oh, Father, we pray that you would be for those, to the, for those who are struggling. You know the needs. You know the hurts. You know each heart here. You know us infinitely greater than we can know ourselves. And so we pray, oh, Lord, that you would meet the needs of your people here individually, whatever their, their pain is, whatever their struggle May you, O oh Lord, work by your spirit and your word in their lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. With this time, we're going to sing. We're going to stand to sing. number.